Greetings from across the galaxy. You're listening to Star Wars Support Group on the FYIZ podcast feed. I'm your host, John. And this is my trusty droid friend, Bebot. Say hello, Bebot. Bebot and I are here in our remote asteroid hideout as a laser storm rages outside. These things can last a long time, from a thousand years to like two hours. So you never know. It seemed like a good time to uh, shit this podcast out. We'll be delving into the sequel. I'm doing the intro now. Yes, I'm recording it this second. All right, Bebot's just excited. We all are. I mean, me, me and Bebot. We are. Anyway, in this episode, you will hear discussions of the sequel trilogy of Star Wars films. The Force Awakens. The Last Jedi. And the Rise of Skywalker. First is a chat I had with my dear friends Jonathan and Becca Eaton. The Rise of Skywalker had just come out, and we were geeking hard, almost acting as apologists for the movie. Seeking a counterpoint, I followed that with a conversation with my friend Mike White. I think you'll find he had a more sober view. And if you stick around to the very end, you'll hear a discussion of the latest Star Wars adventure, The Book of Boba Fett, now on Disney+. I agree, it does sound like a good show, Bebot. Thank you for saying something supportive. So did you care when they were going to make more? Did you think, oh, that sounds neat? Or did it sound to you just like any other, like, of course they're going to try to make money out of Star Wars? I think I was less optimistic than John was. Mm -hmm. I I think I was thinking, like, why would they do this again when they just did such a fucking terrible, terrible job? All anyone can agree on at this moment in time is how bad the prequels were. Yeah. Why would they even try again? Mm-hmm. And I remember thinking, obviously, I'm going to see it, but I have zero hopes or expectations or like, I think I had very little excitement. Mm-hmm. And I saw the trailers and I did think the trailers looked really good. Yeah. So I guess maybe that was like a tiny spark of excitement. Yeah. All these people making it are good. What they're saying about it when they're just like, yeah, we're doing practical effects. We're like, oh, okay, that's good. Yeah. Like, oh, okay. <laughs> no, they like, said everything right. Like, yeah, I think they said that's everything what made right. me more hopeful with, yeah. with The Force Awakens. So I just remember feeling like, this sounds good. And then J.J. Abrams is going to do it. And people were like, oh, all he does is nostalgia. But it's like, well, but his version of a Star Trek movie was was almost like a good oh, Star yeah, Wars movie. Yeah. So it's like, I'm a little bit less interested in him because I know what he'll do. However, he made Star Trek feel like Star Wars. Yeah. So yeah. I bet like, he'll really he make Star it. Wars feel like Star Wars. <laughs> yeah. So he, I was like, I, I just was like, this sounds like it's in good hands. Yeah. It was yeah. called Star Trek. Yeah. <laughs> so I remember being really, really, well, I, I, you know, let's, let's, uh, let's hit the crawl. I do remember this being kind of a bold crawl. This 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 is one of those though that you get into the pulpy. I, I also stuff. remember this very um, vividly. Luke Skywalker has vanished. In his absence, the sinister First, First Order, Order has risen from the ashes of the Empire and will not rest until Skywalker, the last Jedi, has been destroyed. With the support, this is where they really try to parse out what's going on with the good guys. With the support of the Republic, Republic. General Leah Organa leads a brave resistance. resistance. She is desperate to find her brother Luke and gain his help in restoring peace and justice to the galaxy. Leia has sent her most daring pilot on a secret mission to Jakku 
Not Tatooine. They don't say that in the crawl, but they should say that. Yeah. Where an old ally has discovered a clue to Luke's whereabouts. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. Dot. Old ally. Oh, they, I forgot about Max Fonsito. Uh, and then he dies instantly. Yeah. But yes, this whole idea that the Republic is funding the resistance, that, that is, in the movie they talk about it, like, mm -hmm. Hux is acting like it's a scandal that the Republic is funding this terrorist group mm -hmm. known as the Resistance, because that's how he would sell it to the First Order. Yeah. But it's still a little unclear to me, like, what is the first, and that's the one thing we don't well, get. Well, it's interesting that, like, yeah. in the Because they never explain, like, the, the First Order, how they were different from the Empire. If it really yeah. was Snoke that up. Now, in The Rise of Skywalker, we get the excuse this was all Palpatine's doing. But at the time, I don't think that was the story. I really don't think they were intending to bring back Palpatine when they made The Force Awakens. So I think in that case, it's a little bit tricky to say that, like, there's a government that's the Republic, and that's what the Rebellion became, ostensibly. You know, yeah, the so peaceable that, people became the yeah. Republic. Yeah. Now the Republic needs this resistant offshoot to fight the First Order. But why are they not just fighting the First Order because they're a giant Republic? I'm not really clear on why we need a resistance and a Republic, and, and how there's three factions. I mean, it's only been, like, 30 years, that, and they started from nothing. Like, they might not have an army like yeah. they might not have anything to actually fight other than like this resistance and i do think that there is something the about Republic? Huh? how many planets and solar systems and whatever are in the republic well, so how I don't far know. does it well, stand no, it's, like, it's one system and it gets obliterated in force awakens it's it's huh. the so nerd nerd town um <laughs> it's the hosnian system you're the hosnian system they, they mention the hosnian system they say the new republic the hosnian system because that's what star killer base blows up Mm -hmm. Circular base literally just blows the fuck up the New Republic. So all those planets that get blown up, that's it gone. Okay, I what love. What is Starkiller Base the bigger Death Star? Yes, okay. Starkiller Base is the Death Star built into an actual planet. It's a planet uh, that has a yeah, which is cool. But I gotta admit, like, and I love this movie. But that 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 whole stuff is a mess. The whole thing with Starkiller Base and blowing up the five planets and it being sort of like the Death Star, but not like the Death Star. And what's the Resistance and what's the first that as much I love it. But that is a mess. <laughs> yeah. I mean, that is a total mess from a storytelling standpoint. And so I can almost see how people think that, like, J.J. Abrams, like, gets the gets the look and the feel, but has, like... There's just too much information left, like, on There's the not wayside. a lot of logic in that story. There, it, there's too much... Know. I'm sure that information's there. It's just interesting that, like, we're not given it. Yeah. There's, and that's the kind of stuff that, like, this is when I really do turn my brain off when I watch movies like this mm -hmm. and uh, like a lot of movies like james bond i never know what the plot <laughs> is i just know who the baddest i know who the good guys and the bad guys are and then i don't really think about it past that yeah well that's what the second viewing of any movie like that is for for me is yeah. to go oh oh, oh they did yeah. explain what his mission was at some <laughs> yeah. part and they did say like well, whose ship that was or in james bond it's like why you're going to this country and who your ally's supposed to be and what we know about them i've seen every james bond movie multiple times and i still like i barely know what the middle of every movie is <laughs> okay the, so, middle, the middle of every james bond movie is just like the same plot so know. are our standards just low if we're willing to accept a movie that works on that type of thing or is this a different kind of storytelling i mean it's i really have been well, wrestling with this. I think I honestly think it's a different kind of storytelling. Yeah. Like there's different kinds of movies. There's just different kinds of movies, there's different kinds of storytelling. Some stuff doesn't need to be airtight. Like I don't I I hold different things I guess to different standards. And I and like I was saying before, I truly think that these new Star Wars movies are not bad movies because I can follow them. Yes. Even as you're saying 
if you really think about it, like we're not given a lot of information, I can still follow what's going on and I can still jump into the Force Awakens saying like, okay, Republic, Resistance, the First Order, Luke Skywalker, General Leia. Like I can get all of that shit. I can get on board all of that shit. I still watch Attack of the Clones. I cannot fucking tell you what's going on in most of that movie. It is so obtuse. I forbid you from talking about the prequels anymore. I'm just, <laughs> I forbid it. I'm just saying that, that was a point of comparison. We'll allow it. This, I'm just saying final this as a point of comparison. Time. Having seen Force Awakens, I don't know how many times at this point. I'm okay with the vagueness of it. I'm okay with the sketchiness of it. I, I don't know that I can, if someone were saying that's why I didn't like that movie, I don't know that I can argue their point away because I do agree. Yes, it plays fast and loose with the idea of story and plot. What we do have is the emotional underpinning of what's been going on, which you can, that just feels like a separate track. Like what Leia has been going through, what Luke's been going through, what Han's been going through feels separate from the notion of like, what has the resistance been going? What, what, how did the rebellion become the Republic and then become the resistance? You know, mm -hmm. um, the but, fact that they're sort of in power, but they're not fully in power, I think is where some of the con confusion comes yeah. from. Is that like, what is the first order? They seem pretty organized. They seem pretty <laughs> big. They seem pretty directly related to the Empire. I, yeah. think, it, I think we were supposed to eventually I mean, get... I think they're basically the remnants of the Empire that were disbanded for long enough and then they eventually like coalesced back together. Right, with Snoke as the figurehead and yes. that's now we know... I don't Palpatine. think it, I don't think it was at the time, but at, now we know that's a puppet for Palpatine. So yeah. like we can view that as just more Or maybe more it was and it was abandoned in the last Jedi. Yeah. Although I think, or they waited for it to pay off. Or yeah. that, yeah. I really I, like, think that J.J. Abrams yeah. thought Snoke might be the villain of the third movie, and that J. J. Ryan Johnson thought he was setting up Kylo Ren to be the main villain of the third yeah. movie. That's yeah. how I feel. The Last Jedi ends with us going, "Well, Kylo Ren has had like chance after chance to choose the side of good. He killed Han Solo. Mm -hmm. He tried to kill Luke. When when he and Ray had a chance." to like make a new deal. Yeah. He was like, let's kill everybody and take over. And she couldn't do that. You know, you might see a more interesting story in your head if she had like taken that offer and tried to rule with him, mm -hmm. you know, and maybe tried to be just next to him. But again, that's a totally different series. That feels like see, Game of Thrones or something. But like that, and I just said, you know, Jonathan was forbidden from talking about the prequels, but that sounded <laughs> like something that would have happened in the prequels yeah. to me, where then we would have gotten into the minutia of like, how to rule a people. Yeah. But like, I don't want to fucking see that. Right, yeah. not in Star Wars. It's boring. Yeah. yeah. Like, it's Star Wars, you kind of... It kinda... sounds like a lot of arguments instead yeah. of a lot of space battles. No, you're right, you're right. You really don't like politicians, do you? I like two or three. But I'm not really sure about one of them. <laughs> I don't think the system works. You're making fun of me. No, no, I'd be much too frightened to tease a senator. <laughs> Okay, I'm reading Last Jedi. Well, okay, mm -hmm. I, I have a question. <laughs> yes. About The Last Jedi. Yes. So, having been, you know, this break between the prequels and now new Star Wars, and yeah. what's it going to be like? How did you guys like The Last Jedi the first time you saw it? Did you feel like you were tricking yourself into thinking you liked it? Like The, the Last prequels? Jedi? Yeah. No. Or did you feel like you Loved were fully it. on board immediately? I was fully on I've yeah. been fully on board with every, yeah, all three of these new movies. I've been fully on board. The First, First Order, Order reigns. Having decimated the peaceful Republic, Supreme Leader Snoke now deploys his merciless legions to seize military control of the galaxy. 
only General Leia Organa's band of resistance fighters stand against the rising tyranny, certain that Jedi Master Luke Skywalker will return and restore a spark of hope to the fight. But the resistance has been exposed. As the First Order speeds towards the rebel base, the brave heroes mount a desperate escape. So yeah, this is the first time they picked up right where the last one left off. Yeah. Which is a bit of a which like uh, which they, hamstrings them a little bit because it means like, that like they were Finn's, left no choice because the way the Force Awakens ends yeah. is Ray handing Luke his lightsaber and him staring at her and an aerial shot and then credits no. like yeah. what the fuck else were they gonna do and <laughs> like, I, I like there's that. no way they're gonna be like a year later yeah. <laughs> like, I like that beat I do think that ending goes on like. 10 seconds too long or 20 seconds too it's like he, they seem like they're frozen in a tableau yeah. or something it's he, a little bit when odd. he's like like opens his mouth and like stares at her i'm like yeah uh, it really looks like he's gonna talk and then he doesn't <laughs> like, so okay. it's, it's very awkward <laughs> i mean i do love it but and, yes you're and, right and i see why ryan johnson said i'm gonna pick up with that moment you left me with a moment that i can't uh, he what left I, him with no literally no choice i'd read that luke was supposed to be on top of the mountain like levitate like meditating and levitating a bunch of boulders oh and that she was going to find him in that state. And Ryan Johnson said, don't do that. Have him just standing there. Interesting. Because he, I guess, he, knew he, he was going to have him not uh, using the force, you know, Well, anymore. yeah, so, yeah, I I also recently read that, like, Ryan Johnson had already started writing Last Jedi before Force Awakens was finished. Yes. but he So he saw that and said, just change this one thing. But I think that's the only thing they changed. So Interesting. He, I guess what I'm saying is it seems like they could have avoided that pick up right where it was left off effect. But I do think it, it gave us... I mean, to me, that was tantalizing to see, like, how are they going to do this? Because mm-hmm. there still could have been a time jump or there could have been a pick up with one scene and then jump forward in time. But Star Wars has certain formal things that it does. Like, yeah. it generally picks up, like you said, a year or two later from the last movie. Okay, it, gen- yeah, it, never, it generally takes place over a few days. It never yeah. really does the whole, like, you know, a year later. Yeah. Or, like, it doesn't really do flashbacks, although it, it's done a little bit of that. It's done that without recently. pointing it out, like, yeah. without making you think about it. But, like, that whole idea of picking up and showing you, well, here's the week. Like these movies all seem like they happen over a few days. That's true. Yeah. So it's like we we so there's a certain elegance to that. It's like we're going to drop you down in time at this point, and that means you're going to see these scenes, and then you're at the end. And it's like there was exciting stuff happening before this, and maybe even after. But this window we have is this little window. I do think that was different, and it made the Last Jedi feel different. Mm-hmm. Another thing that makes that movie different is the end of that movie essentially feels like it could be the end of the whole thing. I think that ending is almost more confusing as how you pick up from it than it is to say, how do you pick up from The Force Awakens? Yeah. The Rise of Skywalker had to pick up our favorite characters. Come up with a new story, basically. Yeah, come up with a whole new story that, that tied up what what had come before. We've been reading these crawls, and I really was hoping we'd get to this point and you'd see it. The crawl for The Rise of Skywalker is the biggest, like, what? Leap. The biggest leap yeah. forward. <laughs> In fact, let's have it. Let's just go. I love it. <laughs> I do, too. Oh, I'm I love excited. it, too. I want to read it. I love it too, but that first paragraph is like I the, love. It's I, the biggest ask of any. I don't know of if it's them. just because we like just saw it. I'm yeah. still like high off of it, yeah. but yeah. I don't. I don't think that I'm still high off it. I think I love it. Every one of these new movies, even the first one that I wasn't excited to see, as soon as the music starts and the crawl starts, I just want to cry every time. Yes. Also, as I'm soon just as... like, oh, right, I am excited. No, it's also, very emotional. <laughs> as soon as the credits have, every single time from Force Awakens until now, every single mm-hmm. time the credits roll, we both are like, I want to see that again right now. Yeah. That like almost never happens. Mm-hmm. There's almost no movies where we're like, I want to watch it again immediately. But all three of these movies were just like, I need to see that again. Yeah. yeah. Holy shit. Well, and even, even going into The Rise of Skywalker, 
I feel like I wasn't super excited. I don't know why. Was I tired? I don't know what the deal was. No, there I was, probably had a long day. I went, I it, went it right after Tuesday, work. It was a Thursday. I didn't yeah. really watch any trailers for it. So I was just like, okay, it's going to be the last one. Like, I definitely yeah. want to see it, whatever. I wasn't really thinking about it. Mm-hmm. But then, like, as soon as it started, and, like, it's just such a, I don't know, tradition. It's like energizing, or, like, yeah. Yeah. Like, I don't know. No, I know exactly My what you mean. My brain's not working anymore. No, but I think that what you're saying about feeling kind of invigorated by, like, there's something about, like, that music goes, and then you see the words, and you get the sort of, like, oh, yeah, they worked really hard on this, and they yeah. know that everybody wants to see this and for it to be and good. And it's just like, we're seeing a new Star Wars. It's like, it's a big yeah. deal. It's like, yeah. It's a, no. yeah, it is a thing. It's yeah. not like, even even with, like... It's, like, ritualistic. That's the word I was thinking. Yeah, it is. The, the, the opening crawl and the music, it's so ritualistic that yeah. it puts you back in that place every single time. The dead speak. Woo! <laughs> the galaxy has heard a mysterious broadcast, a threat of revenge, revenge. in the sinister voice of the late Emperor, Emperor Palpatine. Palpatine. General, General Leia, Leia Organa, Organa dispatches secret agents to gather intelligence while Rey, Rey, the last hope of the Jedi, trains for battle against a diabolical First, First order. order. There's a typo there. Oh, order! Oh, or order. <laughs> or d'oeuvres. <laughs> the first or d'oeuvres. <laughs> <laughs> Meanwhile, Supreme Leader Kylo, Kylo Ren, Ren rages in search of the Phantom Emperor, determined to destroy any threat to, threat to his power. Dot, 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 dots. Four dots. So, that's a big ask. I th- I'm i torn between thinking, like, I love it. I love the boldness of just being, like, in the first, like, in a couple sentences, they're yeah. like, oh, Palpatine's back. You yeah. Know? But I also see why people... I mean, it's like this one of those Star Wars-y things. It's like, it works for me, but I can get how some people would go, what? We're supposed to buy that? As you learned in the movie, Palpatine has been around the entire time. This yeah. shit's been happening. He's just been, like, building shit in the shadows. Like, no one knows about him. He created Snoke, which I, yeah. I love in the first five minutes. He's just like, I made Snoke. <laughs> yeah, you're like, you see two, I love like, the yeah, yeah, Snoke. Yeah. Yeah. You're like, wait, so what? He's just like, oh, I did it. Don't worry about it. Yeah. <laughs> it's just like, Here's yeah. a bunch more. What's he going to do with all the other ones? Why, is, why are they still making them? Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to do with the other ones? <laughs> like Kylo Ren dies. Uh, he's just going to put Snoke out for someone else. I know. It's that, so that, funny. Yeah. But yeah, but like I had... These are just leftover ones. Back <laughs> <Yeah. after. laughs> I had no problem with it and like i don't and i don't think that it's a i turn my brain off and i see these movies yeah. i just think it's a thing that these movies do they just tell you what you missed in the meantime like you were just saying you're being dropped into a moment in time mm-hmm. you don't know what happened in the like year years right between like the last thing that you saw and now like a bunch of shit happened they did it a lot i feel like with the prequels more than they did with like the other movies but like they significant things happen between movies, mm-hmm. which I think people forget. To me, I love the boldness of just saying, like, literally, the dead speak. It's like, oh. I loved it. There's I no, love that. I was yeah. like, what? Yeah, right. I was like, shocked. <laughs> I was like, whoa. Well, I would say crazy. Luke Skywalker has vanished has a similar quality to it. It's just Same. like, oh, I don't even know where he was before he vanished. Well, you know? also like, because going into Force Awakens, you knew that Mark Hamill was in it, but you hadn't, you hadn't seen him in any trailers. You yeah. heard his voice, but you didn't know what Luke's deal was. You had no clue what Luke's deal was between uh, Return of the Jedi and Force Awakens. So for the first words you see to be Luke Skywalker has vanished is very powerful. Yeah. And that like puts you right there and be like, oh shit. Like, where's Luke? So much time has passed in the story. Like, what happened? Yeah, Yeah. exactly. And I 
I think it's funny I've asked you similar questions because I don't read reviews and I don't read the internet really. Like I'm on Twitter, so I see some things about Mm -hmm. people's opinions. But every now and then I'll ask you like, oh, people didn't like The Last Jedi? Like, I don't fucking know (laughs) what people think. I just don't really know. But so it seems to me that people didn't like or understand why Palpatine could still be alive. Yeah. Apparently that was a point of contention with some people. Yes. I don't see how that's so hard to believe. He's a fucking evil. That's that is just like yeah. a, a theme of evil magic people throughout so much Voldemort. like literature. Like, Voldemort, like Especially for li- a final chapter li- to say who's the bad guy in this? Oh, it's the yeah. person who was pulling str- the strings all along. Yeah. It's not or, a huge leap. Just like defying death. That's yeah. always like the evil thing. It's like the one thing the genie and Aladdin can't do is like raise someone from the and dead. The- it's like the one yeah. thing that evil people do yes. is stay immortal. It's not a, something a good character does. It's yeah. really only something that evil people can do. And evil no. magic people. So it seems really easy for me to buy into that. I don't know why people would really be put off by that. I don't either. And also not to talk about the prequels again, but like a Forbid. thing that a thing that they did to actually tie it back into the prequels is like one of Palpatine's first lines in this new movie is the, his same line from Revenge of the Sith, which is the whole like the dark side of the force like it opens people up to things that they might seem as unnatural or whatever, but like his whole thing, like he has an entire speech in revenge of the Sith when he's turning Anakin to the dark side about how, like if you go to the dark side, you might be immortal. Like that's our whole, that's our thing. Like you're saying Mm -hmm. our whole thing is cheating death. Like we can cheat death or just become evil and cheat death with me. Yeah. Evil dark magic and cheating death kind of go hand in hand mm-hmm. and always have. Well, that's the big draw for Anakin, yeah, because he wants to. That's the entire Padme. reason why like he, he doesn't want anybody to die that he cares yeah. about, right. so he can save people he loves from dying. Yeah. So again, I don't think it was made according to a plan, but yeah, it shouldn't be too big of a leap. I that... don't think it was made according to a plan, but I also don't think they did a bad job, like retrofitting, ra- like retrofitting it in, like yeah. wrapping it up, like and it I makes was total glad sense they just to me. Set it right off the bat. That's what I'm saying. Like, especially yeah. when it's the last movie and there's so much to tie up. I'm glad they didn't introduce a lot to then tie it up and just be like, well, he's fucking back. Yeah. yeah. I just feel like all the bad guys are so one dimensional, except for Kylo Ren and mm-hmm. except for Darth Vader at the very end. Yeah. They're so fucking one dimensional. Palpatine has been one dimensional this entire time. Mm-hmm. All they are is just like, I'm evil and I want to be in charge of everyone always. Yeah. And no matter what it takes, even if I have to die and enter the body of my granddaughter, you know, their plan is not very complicated or complex. So, yeah, I I just kind of assume like Snoke is just another one of those fucking guys. So I didn't think it was that interesting. But then he was like a vessel for Ben Kylo Ren to fight against the dark side, basically, Mm -hmm. was a much better device. The emperor shows up in the third movie of each of these yeah. things. Like he shows, <laughs> like he becomes the emperor in Revenge of the Sith. He shows up in Return of the Jedi, and yeah. then he shows back up in Rise of Skywalker. Like, yes, say what? Echoes. Echoes. And he's got a fleet of star destroyers that each have a Death Star <laughs> level cannon. That's, that was the on one them. thing. That was the one thing that my friend Chris was like texting me the next day. And he was like, "I just like." He's like, "The one thing I feel like is a little stupid is just like." <laughs> 
Palpatine's just obsessed with this thing that blows up planets. <laughs> it's very efficient. I'll it's, give him well, that. Well, yeah, and I'm just like, I thought that was funny. Just like, but they only ever, the, well, from what I remember, they only ever use it as like an example setter. So far, they have like literally actually only ever used it to just be like, like, look what we can do. Yeah. Yeah. And then they get blown up. They're like, oh shit, we shouldn't have done that. Yeah. <laughs> We should have blown up more planets when we were demonstrating the yeah, power of this weapon. We shouldn't have demonstrated it. We should have just like played. <laughs> no, I think that is like, well, you know, in, in The Force Awakens, when they talk about Starkiller Base, it's even like Han Solo or someone in that meeting is like, yeah, it's like the Death Star, except it's even bigger. You know, it's yeah. like, yeah, no, it's he like, literally, literally says. So if Return of the Jedi has just Death like, Star so Part what? 2, and then, and then The Force Awakens had Death Star, but it's in a planet, and yeah. now The Rise of Skywalker has Death Star, but, but like a thousand ship. of them. Yeah, yeah. like right. a thousand mini Death Stars. Yeah, it's like, basically. it's a little silly, but at the same time, it's but like, But if you, you least... blow the Death Star gun up, it blows the whole Star Destroyer yeah. up. So there you go. And that also was Again, not very well Again, I'm explained. fine with it. I <laughs> loved it. I'm willing to blow past it, but I find that that is one, of, like when you have the mothership, you destroy that and it destroys everything. Mm -hmm. There's a part of it that's like, just don't use that software if you yeah. can. Like if you're the, you know, like, <laughs> yeah, like right. at least they had the radar dish and then they changed well, that, it. But see, I'm like, yeah, can we get a, Can we get a different software license for this Star <laughs> see, Destroyer so it's on a separate serial number? Can you scramble the signal or something? Thing. That like, at least you seen any spy movie. I feel like they did explain that enough to be like, once they're out of the system, yes, they're fine, and then we're fucked. Yeah. But like, but it was just like getting out of the system. They need this thing. They need the navigation. It's thing. so complicated to get out. The second watch through was when I had my really nitpicky thought was, if this atmosphere is so horrible, like electromagnetic. Koozie what's it and solar flares and yeah. the third thing that they said yeah. you'd think that they probably couldn't run around on top of the spaceships in the atmosphere <laughs> like ah no spacesuits on breathing the air like skin exposed you'd think they'd probably fucking explode and die or something yeah but I didn't even no, think of they that. just like hop from ship to ship and they're just like running around in this atmosphere that ships can't fly out of, but apparently people can just like run around in. Yeah. Well, there's that scene where Ray like jumps out of the Star Destroyer, like literally jumps into space and like kind of like Finn grabs her from yeah. the Falcon. She's like in space for a second. And, yeah. uh, and I saw that and I was like, oh, that's crazy. And then I was just thinking like just logistically, Last Jedi, there's like a bomber ship and it drops bombs and the bombs have gravity. <laughs> Like, like the bombs fall. They're magnetic. From a, and I was just, uh, so, yeah, I'm just like, exactly. I'm like, I don't, you know what? I don't fucking care. This is awesome. Like, yeah. I don't fucking care. Right. Like, guess what? I'm not think was, a scientist. I guess they're close enough to the core. Guess what? This movie. Breathable oxygen. Guess what? This movie something. isn't nonfiction. Yeah. Like, <laughs> guess where I am? A movie theater. Like, I don't know. Like, what do you want from me? This is they amazing. Just, yeah, I, I'm still fine with it. It's yeah. just like they make such a big deal. Of, like a ship can't even fly away I from know. this planet without being controlled. Humans can just walk around willy nilly and be totally fine. Would that be your biggest nitpick? Solar flares. If you were, if you were going to say like, yeah. there's a fatal nitpick, if there's such a thing, what would be, that would be it? For I you? think that would be it. Yeah. That's mm -hmm. really the only thing I that really sticks out to me at all. What about you? Do you have any major nit? I'm not trying to turn this negative. My major nitpick was just like from a storytelling point of view, like I said before, not making... From a certain Finn point of view. <laughs> Another thing, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, 
oh, how come she's his daughter? Uh, they've done this before. They've been retconning this. <laughs> they've been doing this. Uh, yeah. From a certain point of view, guys, it makes yeah. sense. So yeah. can fuck yourself. I love that line because it just from makes me think of, of George Costanza saying, it's not a lie. You believe it. Yeah. <laughs> um, I just think that they should have made Finn and Rose uh, an actual couple. Yeah. I think they should have just done that. They just, just commit to it. Make him a couple. When she, when he leaves on his mission early in the movie, they have a goodbye moment. Would have been great if they kissed. When he stays behind yeah. on the Star Destroyer, would have been real impactful if she was like, I love you. Yeah. He was like, I know. And like that would have been <laughs> fucking awesome. Like if they had been a couple and she would have been devastated that like he's staying behind to die. Yeah. Like that would have been something. I would say in general that relationship or something, some more sense being made of where that lands would have given Finn's storyline a little bit more direction. And it would have given you less uh, vagueness with the thing that he wanted to tell Ray because otherwise it's just like, oh, the thing he wants to tell Ray is that he loves her? It seems like he has a crush on her. Yeah. Yeah. And that also, like, it doesn't seem like you would need to, like, when they're sinking in the quicksand, and he, it doesn't seem like you would need to say, oh, by the way, I'm force sensitive. Yeah. It's hard to picture that. Like, I get yeah. what they were doing with it, but it is a little bit odd. I would say for me, if I have any major nitpicks, they fall into, like, a couple of broad categories. I think there's a couple too many, like, reversals of a death or seeming like a death, like the Chewbacca mm. fake out death. I think that, like... They could have let the Chewbacca fake out go on longer. Or they could have more... Act, they could have just, just fooled us more or never fooled us. And have it be that the characters think he's dead, but we know he's not. Like, right from the start. They almost do it that way. But you still get that Mm. moment where they're sincerely reacting to Chewbacca's death. And it's like, that felt a little cheap because it was a sincere moment. And I like seeing the characters care Mm -hmm. about him. But, like, I just kind of was going, surely that's not how they killed Chewbacca. No, same. It just didn't feel real. They didn't kill him off screen. Yeah. And then I would say similar to that, even though it's not quite a death. But I think that restoring C-3PO's memory is a real, like... A weird move when they set up this poignant idea that he's fresh and he's experiencing things anew. I think that like the idea that R two D two has had to relearn C three like C three P has had his memory wiped before. Yeah. So I just think ending the movie with like a slightly different twist on their friendship. Maybe this is C three P I was more appreciative of R two D two or something. <laughs> yeah. I just thought it might be fun. I th- I did think that it was funny when he was like, you know, R two is famously unreliable, and then when R two yeah. sees him, yeah. he just goes like, and he's that's it. <laughs> that was funny to me but, but like, I, I do still think that does kind of a bad job of it but also yeah. like i i agree with you I just feel I like that could have, at the better. end that would have been more meaningful and i would say similar to that and it's just that i'm not bloodthirsty but i think that like chewbacca or the millennium falcon or land or somebody somebody should have yeah. blown up in that ending just to give it a little bit because it is like they brought everybody together and literally yeah we didn't lose any like every action and, figure is well, still yes. in play well Sorry. but i would say that is the one know, the one my heart i, know, I, I know. loved him well let's talk about that because i do think that sacrifice like the only deaths in this movie are really leia and hux and yeah. <laughs> and Palpatine and that mo- is the, the moment see this is the thing where like I loved and I know it's like played for less but when he's like I'm the spy and the poet goes what yeah. <laughs> but no I just feel like that is something that again not to say that I'm picking people that should have died it's just mm. that's something I didn't want to no, no, the main I, three I, to die I think that yeah. would have felt a little too I, grim I agree that one guy from Lost died yeah and that was about it casualty wise right. oh yeah J.J. Abrams fight. friends yeah, what's yeah. This- Snap Wexley. Snap. Yeah. yeah. Snap, Snap Wexley. Dies. Anything else about this movie? That, no. that, well, no. how, how'd you guys like the ending? The very ending. The, I, the I moment where she um, claims the name no. Skywalker. 
I was fine with it. Yeah. Yeah. I was like this. It, was, it I, felt I, I Was it the overall moment you were fine with? Or was it just the fact that she could have answered that question? She, she wasn't going to say Palpatine. We know. I felt like but like were... she could have said nobody. She could have said yeah. I'm just Ray, And that would have felt cool. The fact yeah. that she claims the Skywalker name. It felt like, well, this is an odd little scene to end nine movies on. Yeah. How did you feel? I, I only felt like it was kind of weird because they were just leaning on that so hard. Yeah. And maybe if mm -hmm. they didn't have the other lady at the festival that asked her her surname, people don't demand that of strangers. Yeah. And it's it's such they a might clear it's such a clear thread through all of the movies that it felt like they were just like fucking trying to hammer that nail in in this yeah. movie so hard that they didn't really need to that hard. Yeah. Then I was like, oh my god, someone else needs to know her last name. It mm -hmm. just. Maybe if that moment hadn't happened earlier where somebody literally needed to know her last name from her. But I don't, I mean, I, I was okay with it basically. Yeah. I didn't dislike it, was... it. I feel like if the scene earlier hadn't happened, it wouldn't have felt so on the nose. Mm. Well, when it didn't end on the group of everybody together and it went to another scene, there was a part of me that was like, ooh, what scene are we going to get? And it was yeah. this scene that, the, again, the first time through, the second time through, it f I felt like I was more, I, oftentimes second time through, you're just more accepting. I think first time through, you're going, what's going to happen? Mm -hmm. yeah. And second time through, you're going, oh, I know what's going to happen and I'm looking for why. I'm looking yeah. for how. And that's always a more charitable way to look at a movie than to be like the way I was the first time, like, please don't say Skywalker. Please don't say Skywalker. <laughs> and then she said it and I was like, she said Skywalker. And then it went to black and I was like, I don't want to feel this way. I enjoyed that movie. I don't want yeah. to. But then the second time through, I was like, oh, she's going to say Skywalker. Let me look for all the cues as to what's going on here. And I do think it's kind of cool to say that now that she's found out, she thought she was a nobody. She found out she was a Palpatine, but she's decided well, yeah, that's to be what a Skywalker. Saying, like, there is something kind of cool about that, but I just don't know. It's a little corny compared to the, you know, other things they could have done. But still, yeah. I think it's fine. And I think I, it works. I wouldn't have minded if she said Palpatine. Because no, that would be Leia cool. tells her, don't be yeah. afraid of who you are. I wanted that. Like, I, I'm just saying, just I don't think this movie would have ended with the last words being <laughs> Palpatine. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> Star Wars, the Palpatine stuff. <laughs> <laughs> Episodes one through nine. I, mean, I agree like with that you. Was I was the like, point, yeah. And then it wasn't. Yeah. So I was like, all no. right. I yeah. I probably wouldn't want to be Palpatine either. I get it. You're not defined by your bloodline. You're not defined by anything. Like, you can rise above who you are, who you want to be. Like, like, you can choose whatever name you want to choose. Yeah. So that's what that's how I took it is just like she chooses to be who she wants to be. Mm -hmm. She wasn't like she was a Palpatine, but like her mentor wasn't the Emperor. Yeah. Her mentor I'm was now just picturing if it ended as I'm Ray Palpatine. Yeah. I am Ray. Ray <laughs> Palpatine. If she'd been like, what you gonna do about that, old lady? <laughs> Old lady and your four-eyed giraffe. Yeah. What if she was just like... <laughs> Hi, I'm Mike White. Hi, Mike. I was five years old the first time I saw Star Wars, which now people call A New Hope, and I have never recovered. Well, thank you for sharing that. And thank you for joining us here at Star Wars Support Group. Sure. You know, the last time we talked about Star Wars, it was right after the Lucasfilm sale to Disney was announced and they had sort of laid out what their plans were and we were getting close to the release of The Force Awakens. And I believe we were both cautiously optimistic at that point about just a new era of Star Wars and what it could mean. Where are you now? <laughs> I am uh, rather ambivalent. I think that it can go into good directions, but I think we've seen it go into bad fan-directed directions. And I think the less 
that the company has to worry about fan service, the better. <laughs> and with Star Wars, uh, the question of fan service is even more complicated because it's like, which fans are you going to appeal to? I don't know if you've noticed the cesspool uh, that is Star Wars fandom, but um, on social media in particular, it's just, yeah, all over the place. I try not to. I've actually muted Star Wars and Skywalker from my Twitter recently just because it was getting to be way too much. Well, one of the things that people complain about that I actually sort of align with, and I think most people on some level have this issue with the new Star Wars trilogy, is is that there is a, there is no storyline really to it. They didn't have something worked out before they started making the movies. It's just bizarre. I don't know how they could have done that. I mean, did they really? Are we really supposed to believe those those? four years ago that we talked or however many years ago, were we really supposed to believe that they were going to bring back the emperor and that just, just the way that the characters developed and moved and all this kind of stuff. There's no way that they had all that stuff in their heads. There's just, or on paper. It, it, I just refuse to believe it. Yeah. The Palpatine thing is so weird. Have you ever noticed people's stories change at different points in the news cycle? Like they'll be interviewed right after a movie and they'll say one thing. And then a year later, they'll say a oh, different yeah. thing. Oh yeah. A hundred percent. Well, I mean, I've heard at different points that this idea of Palpatine coming back would be uh, something that was cooked up by Chris Terrio and J.J. Abrams as they sat down to write The Rise of Skywalker, but also that it was maybe on the table as far back as, you know, bef when they were writing The Force Awakens, and that it was something that, um, you know, was being discussed would be that Palpatine would be behind it all even then. So... I mean, it seems oh, like yeah. the kind of thing J.J. Abrams would be interested in doing. He is, he's very ecologically minded. He is fantastic when it comes to recycling things. Well, yes. Um, but also, I think what he's really known for is coming up with cool stuff and starting things brilliantly, but maybe not being able to, to bring it home. <laughs> Are you thinking about loss? Hey, don't you walk away from me. You don't know who you're dealing with. Don't ever tell me what I can't do, ever. This is destiny. This is destiny. This is, this is my destiny. This is, I'm supposed to do this, damn it! Don't tell me what I can't do! So yeah, back when Don't we had just heard that they were doing these films and hadn't seen any of them, one of our questions that we had was, would Disney sort of beat this horse to death? You know, would Star Wars feel less special um, in, this, in this era where franchises are king and Disney especially is great at kind of milking them. Do you feel a little oversaturated on Star Wars? Oh yeah, definitely. And I just, I mean, the solo movie, I actually liked it, but I don't know if we needed it necessarily. And then Rogue One, I don't, I still don't buy the whole thing of like, we were closing a plot hole with this. It just, I, I don't ever accept that argument that the exhaust port was a plot hole. So that movie, it was just one of the most depressing films I've ever seen. And it just really hits all of the notes of why I dislike Star Wars fans and fandom and the franchise as it is. I mean, the ridiculous names, the characters that are supposed to tie in with these other characters, all this kind of stuff. I was just like, I'm done with it. I was just and the other thing about that movie that really got me was just how freaking forgettable it was like i went to see it and then two weeks later i'm like have we seen oh yeah i guess we did go see that movie which is so not like me because i grew up with star wars and loved it and so i would think anything star you slap a star wars sticker on there and i'm there kind of thing other than necessarily the expanded universe and i still haven't gotten into that 
and seeing this you know, spectacle on screen, I was like, okay, yeah, I'm just kind of done with this thing. Well, I liked all of these movies uh, a bit more than you did, it sounds like, but I, I still relate to your frustration at the missed opportunity to tell a genuinely great story across these three movies, especially with a cast that I like this well, and even characters that I think have great moments in all of the movies. I can't help wondering if maybe um, it would have been generally just more cohesive if one director had directed all three movies, whether it's J.J. Abrams or Ryan Johnson or, or someone else. Right. Or even just have the same writers go across all three movies. Just figure something out and have some sort of idea as far as like, well, Ray's got this arc, Ben's got this arc, Poe Dameron has this one. From what I understand, he was supposed to die in the first movie when that TIE fighter crashed, and they're like, oh, no, he's actually a good character. We're going to keep him around. Finn should have had a much better arc, but after the first movie, he's just kind of sidelined, and that's it. So it's just, oh, yeah, it's mind-boggling to look at this and just be like, wow, you guys created such a mess with this, and I, I have such a hard time believing that there were intelligent minds behind it. Well, I mean, there are some kind of half-baked moves that I sort of dig because of how wild they are. Like, I love that the opening words of The Crawl are this huge story development that just gets swept away with this very simple proclamation. <laughs> the dead speak, yeah. Yes, the dead speak, and Palpatine's back, and that's it. And then we start the movie and he's just back. Um, you know, and also I think that this movie is the one where they really go over the top with just what Jedi can do, like sort of new force powers that we discover. Each time we come back to a Star Wars movie, we've got more powers and it just, the whole idea of the force being this thing that can morph and change and do all these different things. It reminds me of like the TV uh, show Heroes, where they just kept making our main character more and more and more powerful, giving him more and more abilities, until at the end, it's like, okay, well, now I'm completely bored because this guy can do anything. Same thing with the Jedi. It's like, okay, yeah, they can heal people. Okay, that makes sense. But then we're just going to like keep throwing that in, and then they can heal people at times, but then not others. It's like, What's going on here, guys? I mean, even if you go back to Star Wars and The Empire Strikes Back, like, yeah, you've got the side story of Luke learning more about the Force and all of that, and then the ending with the fight, and there is some Force stuff going on between him and Darth Vader, but it's not the main thing. You know, I, I it's there. It's definitely there. I would say it's probably 50-50, but, you know, it, it's not we're not just focused on the force. Yeah. I even thought some of that stuff was cool. It's just, it starts to feel sort of comic booky or almost like anime to have characters just, you know, ball up their fists and shake and, and level up and level up and level up and find infinite power. I know that's part of the idea of the force, but um, it does usually need to be kind of balanced with other threats so that the Jedi don't just seem like they can do anything. And I think one of the things Rise of Skywalker tries to do is is balance the Jedi stuff with more of an adventure tale. Like you've got all the characters at certain points in the story kind of on capers together. It might not be the most well-written stuff in the world, but at least there's a sense of fun to to some of that. Where the movie really stumbles for me is with a series of of cool ideas that just don't pay off or get reversed. The the near sidelining of Finn, 
Um, the sort of wasting of this idea of a bunch of stormtroopers who have uh, defected and formed a, a, a group of their own. C-3PO's memory wipe that gets reversed. And the worst one for me was the Chewy death fake out, which was just sort of a bad idea, but also poorly executed. Oh, I was so angry about that. I mean, I was, you know, I'm emotionally invested in that character after uh, six, seven movies. Well, I guess he just shows up for a hot second in one of them in the the. Th- third movie i can't remember and then it's like yeah i'm i love chewbacca and then it's like oh he's dead oh wait no he's not i mean in you know i've said this before but the whole movie rise of skywalker is just about doing something and then almost immediately undoing it you know erasing c-3po's memory and then oh no r2's got to back up you know like stabbing kylo ren with the lightsaber oh wait no i can heal people you know it's just like bam 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 and it's like would you please just make a decision and stick with it rather than this kind of like herky-jerky you know i'm going to give you the candy and then take it away from you i mean we love chewbacca and we don't want him to die but if he is going to die we sort of want it to be a big moment and not be this weird thing that happens in between scenes so it it just felt so wrong. And if there was anything I liked about that whole sequence, it was just seeing how the actors handle this moment of kind of remorse, how they play this moment that turns out to be part of the fake out. Um, so I didn't really like the way it was utilized, uh, but I thought the actors did an okay job in that moment. And it just only when I thought about it, was I like, I don't know that that <laughs> emotional reaction matched the story that we've just seen it feels like it's almost unearned like okay yeah he's part he's almost part of the millennium falcon so it's like okay you like the ship you get the wookie with it and it just never felt like there was like a real thing going on between those guys and so when he dies and everybody's upset i was just like well you don't really know him that well like you play chess with them in this movie but that's about it and in c-3po and r2d2 i felt like they were just so sidelined in these movies like c-3po showing up in the force awakens like hey look at my red arm okay cool r2d2 he's asleep until we need him as a MacGuffin at the end and he has the whole map and yada yada i'm just like okay like bb8 really replaced this guy and in the third movie it just felt like what is r2 even doing there and then there's moments where it's like r2 bb8 and then Dio and they're rolling around. I'm just like, why, why are you even having them leave the ship? Just leave them back on the ship. They're not really doing anything other than getting in the way. So it, it was just strange to me. Yeah, people are just bumping into each other in this movie. And it's a bummer because there's so many beloved characters, including ones from the original movies, even some that have been in all nine movies, uh, definitely some from this trilogy, where people are going to, uh, you know, you don't expect everybody to have a lot of screen time and have a super deep character arc in a, in a Star Wars movie, but you do expect for characters to be utilized in a way that feels fun. And, and there are beloved characters that are just standing around and don't really get used in this movie that is, you know, purported to wrap up all of their stories. And some of them feel like extras. Oh, yeah, definitely. And I know a lot of people were upset about Rose Tico and that she was sidelined and just, you know, you stay on the planet, you were a big part of the second movie, but you stay on the planet now and pretty much don't say anything. And I was like, okay, yeah, I I wish that Rose had more to do. I didn't really like her as a character. Um, and so I was like, well, I don't really know what she would have done in the third movie other than maybe she should have been on that opening adventure with her and Poe and, and Finn. But again, you're adding character after character after character. And it's like, yeah, maybe it's just a couple people doing this. And like, 
maybe she gets her own side story going off over here. But yeah, there it there were so many people. Yeah, lots of characters and and a lot of attempts to sort of wrap things up without really picking up on the the threads necessarily that were left at the end of the last Jedi. You know, Mike, I don't really know if I know. What are your thoughts on the last Jedi? I mean, I'm not one of the people that just hates it outright. I just feel that it could have been better. You know, I I really disliked Poe constantly questioning what Holdo was doing. And it was just like, would you just shut up? And just him being so, uh, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, mutinous about that whole thing. It was just like, knock it off, dude. You, you just need to trust these people. And what is it? Is it that it's a woman who's your commanding officer or what's going on? Why do you have such problems with what's happening here? So just, yeah, the, that, the side story on the casino planet. I mean, there are just, there are moments that I could really do without. And then there are other things where I'm like, okay, this is pretty cool. Like, like the whole Snoke story. I'm like, okay, yeah, this works. You know, I, I actually didn't mind uh, Ben and, and Ray and their communications and just that they're getting to know each other. And what is the real story with Luke and what happened with Ben and all that kind of stuff. So there are good moments and bad moments, but I don't hate that movie outright. Yeah, in many ways, The Last Jedi is that Star Wars movie that we always wished for because it kind of takes chances and subverts the the usual expectations for this type of movie. And I think that's obviously what a lot of people liked about it. And Ryan Johnson really does leave things in an interesting place, um, which is why it's a little odd that J.J. Abrams got so much shit for uh, seemingly walking things back in order to tell the story he was trying to tell. I, I don't necessarily agree with all of his choices, but I understand the 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 problems that were presented by a movie that ended like the last Jedi did. They've been walking back things in Star Wars since day one. I mean, this whole like, well, from a certain point of view, he killed your father, and it's like, uh, what are you talking about, Ben? I don't believe you. So, yeah, I, I mean, <laughs> I saw a, a great tweet this morning, um, which managed to make it through my filters because it was a, a photo and not uh, actual words. And it was um, a picture of Leia kissing Luke from Empire, and then her uh, in the, the in Return of the Jedi saying he's my brother. And it's like we've had these movies planned out from the beginning, you know. I was like, yeah, okay. So no, they. I mean, Lucas had ideas. He had things that he glommed onto, like, hey, we're going to have a volcano planet. We're going to have a city planet. We're going to have this kind of stuff. And he just was figuring out for 20 years how he's going to shove that kind of stuff into it. And it didn't necessarily make a lot of sense. And so the whole idea of like, oh, no, he's the father. Oh, no, she's the sister. You know, th that's all retrofitted as it is from the original trilogy. So this whole idea of like, oh, no, no, she's actually Palpatine. I kind of wish that it hadn't been about bloodlines just because I am tired of the universe being such a small place where it's just a few families that are running all this kind of stuff. But then again, you know, we live in a, a, a <laughs> in an aristocracy right now. So why should that be any surprise? It's just a few people that we continually see, you know, turning the, the knobs and all this kind of stuff. So yeah, all right. It makes a little sense that it's just the Skywalkers and the Palpatines that are the ones that are, you know, really in charge or, or behind the scenes on all this stuff. Well, supposedly now they're done and there's talk of all these projects that are set in other regions of the galaxy or in other eras of time. So, you know, it may be that they are finally going to, to move beyond the familiar. 
Well, you know, it is a huge galaxy. There are a lot of planets. There are a lot of different ways they can tell stories. So I think as long as they're not so beholden to the nine films, not everybody has to know one another. It doesn't have to be six degrees of Luke Skywalker. Just explore those side stories. Explore things that we haven't seen before. Go for it. You know, it's a huge place. There are many uncharted areas to this thing. I'm sure there can be some great adventures with characters that we will grow to know and love. So I'm I'm optimistically hopeful for things going forward and I feel like I'm I'm going to be, you know, listening to this in 10 years and going, "Wow, what a dope I was." But I'm optimistic <laughs> about things that break away from those nine films and that aren't beholden to the past. And that's what I felt Ben Solo's message so much was in The Last Jedi and that was the thing I applauded the most the whole it's time to let old things die well it's time to let old things die move on you can use these pieces and parts that we've seen you can do new things and you don't have to live with the past so much oh wow I just got goosebumps you know I'm going to put some John Williams music under what you just said uh, I love it. Da, 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 da. Good speech. <laughs> oh, me, but. I was so young then, with none of the gravitas that I have now. Yes, gravitas. No, it's a good thing to have, Bebot. No need to worry. Now, if I may continue without any more comments from the peanut gallery. Yes, I said you're in the peanut gallery, Bebot. Well, because of your behavior. Well, I think it's exactly where you belong. With all the other silly peanuts. So, for the next segment... I will be taking a hologram call from my old friends Jonathan and Becca, whose sharp-eared listeners will note are the same guests from the first segment. It's never been done before on a podcast. The idea is to check in with them and see if their opinions have changed in the time since we shared that glorious discourse so many months ago. Oh, and that's them now. Bebop, I just don't want to hear it. Power down. And as for me... I need to get on my hologram voice. <clears throat> la la la. Okay, that's better. Here we go. All right, thanks for coming uh, to the hopefully final meeting of Star Wars Support Group. I'll start the introductions. I'm John, and uh, if I could fix one thing about the sequel trilogy, it would be to start the whole thing off with a solid character arc plan for all the lead characters Ray, Poe, Finn. Uh, I don't know, BB-8, Hux, Kylo Ren, Rose, too, even though she doesn't come along right away. Um, I would say take all those new characters and and plan something out for them because you've got a great cast. And, and you know, you can have different screenwriters maybe bring their own flavor to it, but have a plan for the character arcs. All right. I'm Becca. I agree with you. So, <laughs> much to add. Yeah, I, I wish that they either had a better plan or stuck to the plan they had originally and didn't cave in to some of the backlash and um, silly shit 
from Star Wars fans and actually like gave a better, um, you know, better attention and service to the characters that they wrote instead of writing them and abandoning them. Uh, I'm I'm Jonathan, and if I could change one thing about the sequel trilogy, I I would have liked to see uh, Han, Luke, and Leia in a scene together. Oh, that's pretty good. Oh shit, that's a good one. <laughs> I'm going to change mine. <laughs> <laughs> mine's, mine's <Jonathan's> now. <laughs> that wasn't designed to be a, a like a question that you could win, but I think you just did <laughs> because that's so actionable and it's so specific, and and, and that's kind of what we're doing right now. We're, we're reassessing our feelings about the Force Awakens, um, the Last Jedi, and especially the Rise of Skywalker. Now that we've had time to just let things settle a little bit. When we last had this conversation, it was right after the release of The Rise of Skywalker, and we had our fan goggles on a little bit. There was a lot of negative reaction to that movie, and we were being a little defensive of the things that we liked about it. Um, so yeah, we're just going to kind of go back and pick through the remaining feelings we have about this this uh, trilogy. Starting with The Force Awakens, I don't know. I haven't really changed my feeling on this one. I still really dig it. It is uh, It's such a great Star Wars feeling movie that I'm willing to forgive the flaws and some of the things about it that, that people talk about. Um, and we can probably get to some of that, but where are you now with, uh, the force awakens? I, I remember, um, getting super hyped about it. And like, honestly, I do think that movie lived up to the hype, um, surrounding it. Cause I, I just remember when it came out, the general consensus was like, star Wars is good again. <laughs> Like we have good Star Wars again. It's a it's a fun, good movie. It's so much better than uh, the prequels, but not even like it's better than the prequels. And that's it. It was a, it's really really fun. I love it. What do you think, Becca? I think I was less excited about it going into it, just because I, I don't. I consider myself less of a fan than both of you guys, as we've established. Um, and I didn't have the experience with the prequel trilogies mm-hmm. that you guys did, just because yours. I, I wasn't. Right. It, I didn't care about it at that time. Like I went to see them because I was in high school and they were big movies that were coming out. Um, but I wasn't like, uh, oh my god, the scene from my childhood's coming back. It means so much to me. It was just like whatever. These are just some movies this coming up again it it wasn't like reliving that experience like it was for you to Mm -hmm. think like oh i can't get my hopes up too much but it's so hard not to and whatever um i remember watching the trailers and thinking it actually looked good and just being generally pretty excited to see it but not hyping it up too much but i loved it and i mean even considering myself a medium fan like it just it felt so emotional when you're finally in the theater and like everyone just like a completely packed theater and you could just feel the emotions coming off of everyone i vividly remember sitting in the uh the theater the first time i saw this one and just looking around at some point and catching the faces of the people in the theater and there were so many people that were just leaning forward and grinning ear to ear and there was this guy sitting next to me who was maybe a little bit older than me but he was there with his family just like i was there with mine and we kind of shared this moment of like did you see that (laughs) can you believe this well yeah it wasn't even like a big moment it was just like some of the stuff very early in the movie with poe dameron and kylo ren and i just remembered thinking like oh this is this is really feeling very much like 
the Star Wars that I love. And, and, and the nostalgia was part of the point of that movie. It was kind of trying to get people back into that feeling. Um, that's one of the very things that gets criticized, though. And you, you, know, you can't really argue that this movie does trade a lot on nostalgia, and it does sort of repeat or echo a lot of things we've seen before. I think it's funny that people giving it shit. Like I, I think it's it's a fair criticism to say that Force Awakens is a like version of a retread of A New Hope. If you want to like take it for like certain beats, yeah. And while it's repeating certain things, I think for some people it seemed like it was walking back the happily ever after of Return of the Jedi, which is one of the best happily ever afters ever. And I. Again, I can see where those people are coming from, but I thought it was so much more interesting to say that Han Solo's kind of the same Han he's always been, and Leia's the same Leia she's ever been, and in some ways, Luke is the same Luke he's ever been. They're just they're just in different places now, you know. To me, the notion that they didn't change that much it might seem like it's uh, backsliding or defeatist, or in some ways, like almost too obvious. But I thought that was kind of a genius stroke to say that happily ever after doesn't really last forever after. I Yeah, I think, you know, it, it might seem obvious that Han and Leia ended up in those spots, but I think that's good because if they were just happily married somewhere, I feel like that would be incredibly strange. And, and they're like dull have, also. Huh? And maybe dull. like Yeah, well, and, you know, they have such great chemistry together, which is why we love them together, but that doesn't seem like a relationship built to last. <laughs> and then the stuff with Luke really does feel like it's out of left field, and that's super interesting in its own right. Yeah, Because what would make him do that? Is yeah, the, like yeah, Luke it instantly sets people. up the tension, right? Why would he yeah. quit the fight? Yeah. And the truth is, these original characters or legacy characters are really there to sort of set up the story of the new cast, the new characters, and it's more about passing the torch. Mm-hmm. So in light of that, you would think Luke would be there to be the one to kind of be the Obi-Wan, but it's an interesting twist, I think, to say, oh no, it's Han who provides that role of like a mentor yeah. to the young cast and sort of the one who sets them up for the knowledge of what's really going on. And um, in fact, his death is something I had to kind of wrestle with because he's kind of my favorite character of all time. And to see Han Solo die in a way that essentially serves the character development of of Kylo Ren and to a lesser extent Rey and Finn, um, rather than being a guy who goes out in a blaze of glory or something like that. It was something that I really had to to deal with. But I did go into this movie expecting Han Solo to die. I knew Me that too. was something that Harrison Ford had wanted years ago. And so there was a sense of dread uh, about this film, uh, being a fan of Han. As soon as he walked onto that bridge, I was like, oh, no, he's going to die. And then the entire scene, I'm like, oh, I guess he won't. Like, up until he <laughs> dies. And I was like, ah, fuck. <laughs> Yeah, it bugged me for a while that, that just the idea even that Kylo Ren was going to have a redemption storyline after what he did to Han. But it's an interesting kind of circular thing because you don't really want to see Han's killer be redeemed. But in this case, it's his son. So if you're going to go out like a chump for somebody, it's going to be your kid. And then Kylo Ren, he kills his dad to prove that there's no good in him. But then that act fuels this remorse that is sort of the the crack in the dam that allows the good in him to bust through, you know? So um, I think in a lot of ways, that's a, that's a, a, I don't know. It's a, it's a interesting story that I think people kind of gloss over how well structured that part of it is. And his speech when he's killing Han Solo, you know, yeah, he is so conflicted because he wants, 
he's trying to be bad, but he knows that he's good. And his whole speech about, you know, not having the strength to do what he needs to do to be evil like he wants to be, you know, that that just sets it up right there. It, it kind of sets up his redemption right there because he's fighting against his like impulses of goodness. He didn't and, have it in him yeah. to be evil. Yeah. Yeah. And, I, you know, I don't think it was just a dramatic speech. I think it was sincere when mm-hmm. he says all that stuff because he really is so conflicted and he doesn't want to be doing what he's doing, but he feels like he has to. And yeah, I really like that. And, and a lot of people really hated him as a character when that movie came out, like hated that he's just kind of like a whiny, like petulant, like the opposite of Darth Vader. But Except not because Anakin well, was okay. those things. For, yeah, <laughs> first of all, exactly. But then... The, but yeah, but then also they're the same people who are complaining that it's the same thing as a new hope. And I'm like, it's it's something new. Like it's a kind of villain we've never seen in Star Wars before. Like it is a brand new thing for you to have this kind of character. But Anakin is so hot headed and oh, impulsive, yeah. and it's like and that. It's like and, not again. Yeah. Well, yeah, and whiny and. I don't, like, I don't know if I would call way. Ben Solo or, you know, Kylo Ren at that point petulant, but he's very passionate and impulsive. Yeah. I think he's pretty petulant when he, like, cuts up the console with the with the lightsaber. <laughs> yeah, that's true. <laughs> I do love that. I love okay, that that's very true. He was definitely throwing a full-on tantrum. I just think there were audiences who recognized that as... They didn't recognize that that's a feature, not a bug. Yeah. That that was, like, all deliberate. Yeah. That he's supposed to seem like not Darth Vader. It's like people were like, oh, I can't think he's cool. But I was sitting there going, mm-hmm. oh, my God, he's so interesting because he is vulnerable. And then finding yeah. out that he's the son of two of the heroes that we love. Yeah. It just makes him like, oh, man, like, that he... He knows that he fell from there to here or that he this is what he chose and even when he first takes his mask off i feel like ray has the same reaction of like that's what you yeah, yeah. I, like that's her what we're working with was the same yeah. as everyone in the theater yeah, like, was like what? wait what <laughs> <laughs> yeah there is an unlikeliness to him that makes him almost like an underdog even though we see that he is powerful um, but the final lightsaber battle, which which I really love, he seems really perturbed to see that Finn and Ray are there and uh, that they can that they can hold their own in any way with this weapon that he kind of feels like, wait, this is my thing. No one else is supposed to have a lightsaber. Which like is another thing that you haven't seen before in a Star Wars movie. Like you went from seeing people, you know, using them adequately, and then you, in the prequels, you, it's like the Jedi are using them like perfectly like at the height of their power and like now you see basically like a bunch of kids with lightsabers like basically going through like force puberty (laughs) (laughs) you're seeing kylo ren who has who has uh i'm just ignoring force puberty Uh, (laughs) uh, done uh but 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 yeah kylo ren has had a little bit of training like i mean definitely under luke and presumably under snoke he has learned a bit yeah um whereas Ray is someone who it's almost like Jason Bourne. It's like she's waking up to this this skill that she seems to have. Almost like uh, it's like something she knew in a past life or something she learned in a dream. That's another thing that I remember a particular part of the audience really having a problem with was, oh my God, Mary Sue, Mary Sue, she's a Mary Sue. That was the first time oh. I'd ever heard that. Term, oh, same, yeah. Actually. <laughs> 
was the first time I wanted to punch Max Landis in the face. <laughs> it's like, but why don't you get to decide a character's unnaturally gifted? Like, don't we get to do that all the time? I mean, it wasn't quite true of Luke. Luke never became that adept that we saw in the original trilogy, and he did have to go through sweat, and he did train too old, and he did kind of suck compared to everybody that we've seen. <laughs> but it's like, that's different. That's Luke's story. He had to muscle it out because of his situation. Ray's different. I mean, especially if we now think what we now find out in the third movie, maybe it makes sense. But, well, and Luke um, also was kind of what like actively repressed like his family didn't want him to do that at all so it makes sense that like he would be like latent with it and ray's good at some things but not good at other things like in the in the last movie when she's doing that whole be with me thing and oh yeah all the stones drop and yeah she but, like there's lot, some yeah. of it she can get and some of it she can't right it's funny though we're just kind of falling right back into defending this movie does anybody have any other complaints the the main thing i i, I feel like the main thing wrong with force awakens and it's it's a small thing because i love that movie i think most of the stuff about it is great um and this might be a little bit too much of like knowing how the sausage is made but i feel like also it's stuff that would bother someone whether or not they know like specifically what JJ Abrams is all about, but just like the whole J- the JJ Abrams mystery box thing, like, can you quickly explain to me what that means? J- J- yeah, JJ Abrams, uh, his, his whole thing with storytelling is if I'm remembering the story right, when he was young, he bought a like at a magic shop, he bought a mystery box, and it's literally a fucking mystery box that's sealed, and he doesn't know what's in it, and he's never opened it, and his whole thing is that that box is so much more interesting. Not knowing what's inside of it. What's I'd new, open that fucking what is, box. First of all, absolutely. Instantly. Absolutely. And you know it's just full of like dumb bullshit it's magic. Probably tricks. like little like snakes that It's are full of like that little like the cellophane fish that like all always like flips up around when you like drop it. Uh, so I don't know those fish, but it's, it's okay. Yeah, they were called fortune fish and they were the lousiest of all the little cheap store bought magic tricks. <laughs> He's got this mystery box and he keeps this a memento because, like, the whole thing for him personally is that, like, the appeal of mystery is more interesting as a story device than, like, than giving answers. And to an extent, he's correct. But the problem is that's his Achilles heel with, like, almost everything he's ever made, which is he sets up really, really cool mysteries. And then when it comes time to pay them off, he's like, oh, I don't know. There's no answer. <laughs> And that's the fucking problem. Right. There's nothing wrong with having a MacGuffin, you know, uh, but this story already has a MacGuffin and that's Luke Skywalker. He's yeah. the, he's the thing that everybody's looking for. Yeah. He's the mystery. Um, uh, but just to pile on other mysteries that you don't really have an answer for, and you don't really know what movie the answer might be in. It feels like a, 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 a fucking cellophane fish. It's a, it's a cheap trick. <laughs> It's not a story, yeah. yeah. It's not a plot point. Or if it's a mis- like, yeah. give me the mystery box in the first act, and then open the fucking yeah. box in the third act, or and like drop seeds maybe- about it, solve little bits of it, introduce yeah. something new. But eventually, there's got to be something. Yeah, there has yeah. to be. And and uh, this is actually a good transition into the Last Jedi, because if there's one thing that Ryan Johnson was trying to do with the Star Wars movie was give you a lot of something to think about. You know, yeah. not a lot of mysteries, but a lot of a lot of new stuff. Weirdly, I think. Last Jedi is my favorite of the three sequel movies. Um, Because I like most of what it does that 
people hate. <laughs> uh, yeah, people really hate it. I just don't understand really, it. People really, really hated it. Well, he was taking chances and shaking things up, which I, I did enjoy. I think if I had any general complaint about Ryan Johnson's approach to Star Wars would be that I thought there were a few places where his themes kind of overtook the storytelling and the characters. And I, I, as glad as I am that he had things on his mind and that he was trying to put them into a Star Wars movie, I think that like the Canto Bite plotline feels a little dramatically inert, even though there's some cool things going on in there. And the other one I always really get stuck on is uh, Poe's plotline and how he's handled. Yeah, It's like, I know what they're trying to show us. Oh, Poe is this... Imp- impulsive dangerous guy who gets lots of people killed and and doesn't respect the authority of princess leia but we love him and it's like but i don't know that we love him enough (laughs) it's one of those things where you illustrate something at the risk of character assassination if that makes any sense yeah and the just the fact that it doesn't really make a lot of sense for them to have kept the plan from him just on the the principle of it unless i'm forgetting if there was a real reason no there's no it's just like saying well, you didn't need to know, so I didn't tell you repeatedly over and over when you asked, when I could have just stopped you from making such a big deal out of it. One of the lessons I've learned as a manager is, you know, you can't just tell people do this because I command it, but just give them a little bit of the reasoning and they'll feel a lot better about it. And even if I feel like if you're a general or a commander, I can't remember what Laura Dern's character was, but she was, you know, given all this responsibility by Princess Leia. Was she an admiral? Uh, I think so. Yes. Yes, she is an Holdo. Yeah, Admiral Holdo. I mean, if it really just takes you a couple minutes to be like, okay, Poe, listen, you need to calm down. This is the plan. Yeah. It's not going to hurt anything. It's not like we can't tell him because there's a spy and the spy will find out. You know, it just really seems like no reason other than to teach him that lesson. But that's his arc for the entire movie. Like, there should be something better for him to be doing. Yeah. Well, you do see how this storyline could have been done in a way that would have felt like some interesting stuff for Oscar Isaac to do. But without a plan for this trilogy, anything interesting Ryan Johnson does in this movie really just sort of adds to the problem of the final movie. Because not only is it supposed to be the final movie in a trilogy, it's also supposed to be the final movie in a nonology. All of the movies we've seen so far, all of the main uh, Star Wars movies, which which they started calling the Skywalker Saga. It was an impossible task. I've already mentioned that the last time we talked about this movie, we were sort of high on it. Yeah. So I'll just frame this conversation uh, with a simple question. Like, what, what are your beefs with The Rise of Skywalker now that you've had some time to reflect? Well, definitely the treatment of Finn and Rose. Yeah. It's... And I feel like it... it who was it that showed up? Was it Charlie from Lost? Oh, yeah. I remember every time he was speaking, I was like, why isn't Rose saying this? Yeah. Why did you introduce these characters only to almost like completely erase them? Yeah. Um, and the fact that they had started doing all this stuff with Finn, and I don't know, maybe it was the whole mystery box thing now that I know what that is. You know, when he keeps saying the whole movie, like, I have something I need to tell you, and then he never tells her. And yeah. then we're like, I guess it's that he's Force-sensitive. Well, they said What it, does that yeah. even mean? Like, they don't... Um, but doesn't make sense. Why would you want to tell her that as they're all. sinking in quicksand? Uh, it, it doesn't make it... it doesn't yeah, because that's sense. not what it could have... That's not what it was when that was happening. Right. It, it, they just... I don't know. It doesn't make any sense. They were setting Finn up, I feel like, to be another Jedi-type person or Force-type person and then completely abandon it. Yeah. 
Um, and it was such a bummer. And then I really do feel like they gave into pressure about Rose. They 100% did. Um, and just like put her off to the side and gave all their lines to Charlie. <laughs> to Charlie from Lost. And it made absolutely no sense. And I just thought it was such a huge bummer because yeah. we don't get to spend a lot of time with these characters. We already know that we yeah. don't. We know that we get three movies. So you feel like if we're seeing them, they're important and they're there for a reason. And then at the very end, they just like kind of dissipate. Right. And and Charlie from Lost, it's not like he gets to do anything interesting either. Yeah. He's just an exposition machine. Why not just yeah. give him a walk-on in one shot or something where you go, oh, was that Charlie from Lost? And then let this be done with it, you know? <laughs> because like, it yeah, is it odd. Yeah, be a background character or But also, why is Rhodes not with Finn on his adventure? Like, why yes. is she not driving the action in that way? Um, I, I thought it was super strange. Yeah. And it just adds insult to injury that you're neglecting characters that you've already brought in when you bring in new characters that are, are barely sketched in themselves, like uh, Carrie Russell, who's, who's really good. Uh, and looks really cool in the movie does does not really have much of a reason to be there beyond uh giving oscar isaac like a a, a horny moment oh god i hated that or i no i hated it i did she <laughs> was really cool i hated all the poe like can i kiss you no okay bye mm-hmm. he really wants it yeah it really felt like they were just like, ah, he's, so he's straight, though. It's like, like, yeah. Yeah, it's like, yeah, he's straight. Exactly. It's like, guess what? He's straight. Yeah. Like, don't worry. He's straight. <laughs> but also, it's like trying to put Han Solo in like the microwave. You yeah. can't, in one mm-hmm. little quick scene, build up this idea. You just don't buy it. Well, yeah. It, it felt like, oh, is it going to be Ray and Finn? No. Is it going to be Rose and Finn? No. Is it going to be Poe and Finn? No. Yeah. They just handed all these things and then just like take a huge step back. I wonder how much of that wishy-washy stuff comes from studio tinkering. There's a version of that movie that exists that we never saw and never will because they literally like they basically took the movie from J.J. Abrams and then uh, cut it. And that's why like so much of it feels confusing and disjointed because they literally just like chopped random shit out. Like there was a scene (laughs) when you meet Lando in that movie where he says like, oh, I had a daughter and she became a stormtrooper and it was really traumatic. And then like later you find out that the other character, the girl, is Lando's daughter. Jana, I think was her name. Yeah, which makes sense at the end of the movie when he's like, where are you from? If you knew that she was his daughter, you would think he's being fatherly, but that that you don't know that yeah, she's daughter, like you're like, daughter. ew, you are so much older than she is. <laughs> I don't even know how they did it. They made a movie that is simultaneously crammed full of too much stuff, but also missing like key scenes that would make the whole thing click. Well, even the way the movie starts is like, I think it starts by saying, the dead speak. Like yeah. everyone's hearing this message from Palpatine, except us. We don't hear the fucking Palpatine message. We're just told that it happens. The main rule with movies is show, don't tell. You know, this might be an example of an evolving opinion, John, because when we talked about this the last time, I think we were all pretty into that line. Really? Like, I think we thought it was it was like the good kind of bold. Well, I was thinking that again. Well, I don't know. I think the dead speak is a fucking cool line. I do too. I guess the question is about just Palpatine in general. Right after seeing it, we were all sort of, I don't know, I think we thought Palpatine's return was somewhere between acceptable and uh, inevitable. Uh, but but it, there was something kind of lazy about it. What's your take now that the dust has settled, Becca? I, I feel like he didn't have to come back. I feel like it didn't have to be inevitable. They had a decent amount of time, I imagine, 
and they had the previous experience of seeing the prequel trilogy. Mm-hmm. They had time and resources. Yeah. They could have done, you know, we had completely new heroes. We could have had completely new villains. We didn't have to go back to that old territory. And even if they want to hit similar themes, which I didn't mind, um, I didn't mind the similar themes in Force Awakens, but they don't have to just pick old characters to plug back in again. I I feel like they really, I I just don't know why. I I don't really think it was fan service, but I, I... I feel like they should have done something different. It's always tantalizing with Star Wars, the sort of uh, could have, would have, should have. And, and, you know, they almost went a totally different way with this movie. And we even talked about how they fired the original director. It was originally supposed to be Colin Trevorrow, who did yeah. Jurassic World, who wrote a completely different script. I don't know if it was the whole script, but a lot of the plot details have leaked for this. A Duel of the Fates. Have you read it? I have. Is that what the last movie was supposed to be called? Yeah, that's what, yeah, his version okay. of it was called, like the original. The thing I really liked about that original idea for the third movie was uh, the culmination, like the third act takes place um, on Coruscant, the like the main planet from the prequels, like the whole city planet, mm-hmm. which sounded cool because I'm like, we haven't gone back to that since the prequels. It'd be interesting to see what someone else would do with that planet, because that planet's like the isn't that planet basically like the the capital of the universe? Like it's like where the Jedi Temple was. And it would be it would be set years after the First Order had been in charge, and you would see like Hux would be like the Chancellor. Yeah, it sounded really cool, and it, the whole thing was like Star Destroyers are like all over the city, and like the the whole final battle basically takes place like above and like underground Coruscant, and there's like a whole uprising on the ground level where people have like repurposed. Uh, old empire shit so there's like old like uh spaceships and like adats and stuff that they've like repurposed and painted mm-hmm. towards the end when they're losing like when the first order is like losing the battle and it becomes apparent that they're gonna lose hux is like in his like office and he's got like a bunch of artifacts and i think he has count dooku's lightsaber like on a pedestal and he just decides to commit suicide and he like like turns it on on himself and like that's how Hux died in that script I thought that was kind of awesome like kind but of cooler. I love the Hux we got I, he's such a weenie <laughs> he is a weenie you know I, I think that Colin Trevorrow's version would have been a neat movie to see but we don't really know how much from this leaked script would have made it through the sort of Lucasfilm slash Disney meat grinder of 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 story processing yeah. yeah there's always a lot of changes and always a lot of choices made in a star wars movie where every now and then you'll hear something they were going to do and it'll blow your mind because these movies are so big it's hard to imagine them being some other way mm-hmm. and they're never very transparent about the process uh of of story development but there is a lot of neat stuff in duel of the fates uh that that you know it would be cool to see like um the opening section where the heroes take over a Star Destroyer, and then that kind of becomes like a mobile base for our guys uh, as the movie goes along. That's but that sounded really cool, and Rose is involved in that. So she's given more action, and and that's a problem that The Rise of Skywalker wasn't able to solve. Hashtag uh, release the Trevor Oka. <laughs> Was there any hesitation at all? No. None at all to coming back? No hesitation, female, work in Hollywood, over 40, not happen. So why would I say no? What do you think? The parts where I'm in it are distressing. 
but everything else is really great. But when they hear that the parts with Leia in them are distressing. I got older and no one told me. And then they put me on a screen really, really big. And they put me in what's high def. You have said Princess Leia got famous. I just happen to look like her. Yes, now we look like each other. You do? Yeah, she looks like Carrie Fisher and I look like Princess Leia. Carrie is Leia, Leia is Carrie? Mm-hmm. I still am Princess Leia. It doesn't go away when they say cut. I'm, I'm her. She's is me. What do you say to all the little girls out there who were inspired by Princess Leia? She can do anything. She can do what she can do and do what she can do. Now, we have to talk about the uh, absence of Carrie Fisher because, you know, there's a couple things going on there. One thing is you, you kind of can't blame the movie for having to deal with that awful problem of how do you how do you solve that? How do you make up for the, the lack of not just a, a great presence, but the one remaining surviving character of the big three? that was supposed to be the focus of this movie. But without Carrie Fisher and Princess Leia, they really were left scrambling. And, you know, I don't know. I think their solution was adequate, but not stellar. Yeah. I mean, you look at what they were able to cobble together from old footage and and camera tricks and stuff, and it just feels like a very lifeless performance that Carrie Fisher never would have given. It's so strange. Like, I know they did everything they could, but it's, all, it's even if you didn't know <laughs> that they took old footage. Yeah, you'd be like, well, this is weird. You'd just be like, what? See, I was wondering. I don't know if there's... Uh, there's no way I could personally know. I wonder for people it, that see it in the future, if they yeah. have no idea when she died, if they'll notice anything odd. But I'll never know. Because right. going into the movie, watching it, we know that she was dead. We know they're using old footage and they're probably, you know, they're using stand-ins and they're using CGI. So every single time she's on screen, I'm like, is that really her? What, what, what was the context of the scene from deleted scenes from the last movie? Every single time it just felt so awkward I just... that it almost made me wish that she just disappeared between movies well I, it just the whole yeah. the whole thing is such a terrible sad situation that i i don't think there's any way they could have done it that would have been a stellar decision for a movie it well, always would have been weird or bad but i think this is gonna sound heartless but i feel like the best way to have handled it was probably to have like killed her character off between movies not like in a shitty way yeah but like you could have opened that movie with her funeral like like a really like emotional scene could have opened the movie it's just like it's you're obviously you're not going to cgi her that's awful they they Did she di didn't she die during the second the filming of the second she'd already movie? finished all of her scenes so i remember you know that whole scene where she's like ejected from the spaceship and we knew Carrie Fisher was dead in real life. And I was just bawling in the theater. <laughs> but then she floats back in. I'm like, that would have been a really great moment to just kind of leave her out there. Uh, like, yeah. that would have been really sad. But now she's coming back in and we have to deal with this now. No, the right death, the right death for her in that movie, I think, would have been, she should have been in the Admiral Haldo role. She should have been the one uh. on the ship that 
pulled the maneuver that like yes. by blowing up that ship you're taking everybody out and then you would have been left with Laura Dern yeah. to roll into the next movie as like the 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 new kind of leader of the rebellion. Shit. I didn't even think about that, but yeah. I, I would be fine with Laura Dern being in that spot. She was, yeah, yeah, Laura Dern's amazing. And that scene, like we didn't really talk about that, but like yeah. that is one of the highlights of Last Jedi. That fucking Absolutely. scene was fun, like that was incredible. God, that just like sucked all the air out of the theater. But it just like yeah. goes silent and that happens. So I was like, that's one of the coolest things I've ever seen in any Star Wars movie. Yeah. Like that was so amazing. And you know, it's too bad that the Rise of Skywalker really lacks any big dazzling moment like that in its third act. Um, I think they kind of try to go for it with Lando showing up with that giant fleet, and that might be, you know, sort of a, a nifty image, but it doesn't have this emotional weight that you want it to have. It just sort of feels like another problem that they have that then just goes away. Oh, no one's going to help us. Well, it's up to us. Oh, wait, no, forget that. Everyone's going to help us. Well, cool, we get to win. Yeah, there's not a lot of stakes. Or the, they yeah. set up stakes and then, like you said, walk them back. So yeah. it's not impactful. You know, you wouldn't want to see just a repeat of the Holdo maneuver, but a Millennium Falcon moment like that could have really been something to see. Yeah. It was like, there's no other way. We don't have any time. Like, Chewie and Lando have got to do it. And they blow up and they save everybody. Like, that would be heartbreaking, but... You'd remember it. <laughs> Instead, we have Chewbacca at the end, and all of his friends are dead. He's like the old guy in the nursing home. I know! Nobody knows his stories anymore, and he's like sitting there going, shit, who can I talk to? Lando's kind of in and out. He's not reliable. I guess R2-D2 is the only one. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and no one wants to hear that. Yeah. Just roars and beep <laughs> The one last thing I was hoping we would unpack uh, a little bit is just the Palpatine aspect of Rey's storyline. I mean, it's something that feels very tacked on, but it is all-encompassing now that we now know that she is the child of nobodies, but one of those nobodies was, was a kid of Palpatine's. So there is this suggestion that this bloodline thing is going to pull her towards the dark side and they spend a certain amount of screen time on that. But I don't know if that storyline ever really hooked me. It, it just seems so pointless that late in the game yeah. and with what we knew about Ray, there's just zero chance that she's going to be like, Oh, I'm with Palpatine. Okay. I renounce my good ways and now I'm evil. Yeah. It's not even close to being, something that would be a viable plot point that it feels like it doesn't matter at all. That's exactly it. You you just don't believe it for a second. <laughs> Remember when this movie came out, I saw like a, a headline that made me laugh. I think the headline just said like, when did Palpatine fuck? Ew. It's just like, <laughs> Ray's parents were nobody's, but like one of them was Palpatine's kid. So it's like at some, at some point he had a, had a kid like with a woman. What? Think about it, and that's our final image. <laughs> Just leave you with that. You guys can all kind of try to picture what what that's like. Do you think? Do I think he's a tender lover? <laughs> I was gonna say. Do you think when he comes, he says unlimited yeah. power? <laughs> Bye, guys. All right. So that was Star Wars. <laughs> And now, as the hour gets late, it's probably best that we wrap up our episode with one final topic. As promised, the Disney Plus series, The Book 
of Boba Fett. And since I've spoken so much in this episode already, I, I believe I'll let Bebot begin the discussion. Bebot? Yes, I think that's right. Certainly can't argue with you there. Oh, oh, Bebot. <laughs> You're so insouciant. My thoughts? Oh, well, you know, frankly, anything I were to utter at this moment would be a pale imitation of the thoughts you so beautifully phrased. Across the board, it was really quite well put, Bebot. No, congratulations. You've left me speechless. <laughs> but at least now we can bring this episode to a close, knowing that we've covered it all, and that no one ever needs to talk about Star Wars anymore. Say goodnight, Bebot. End transmission. All the guests featured in this podcast do all kinds of stuff. And here's where you can find some of it. Mike White is the host of the long-running and extremely exhaustive and wonderful movie podcast, The Projection Booth. Mike also has a new podcast that he has started with his friend Chris Statue. It is a, uh, a Columbo podcast. It's called The Shabby Detective, yet another Columbo podcast. Now, with Jonathan and Becca, Cactus Rodeo is the sort of general brand name. Uh, you can find that on Facebook, and that acts as a little bit of a hub for different things they have going on. But just to mention a few of them, Becca and her friend Kelly Fuller host a show called CD Reads, where they talk about uh, bizarre or otherwise noteworthy romance literature. There's another show called The Sketchy Show, where Jonathan and a guy named Chris Zaleski and frequently myself do uh, dark and weird comedy sketches. And uh, then there's another show called Below Grade Level, where Becca and John and Chris read chapter books meant for kids and celebrate slash ruin them. There is also a puppet show called Pop Socket Theater that you can find on YouTube that was co-created by John and Becca and others and features music by yours truly. If you did enjoy what you just heard, please subscribe to FYIZ in your favorite podcatcher app and you'll hear more episodes of this show as well as others that are similar to it. As much as I think it's dumb to reverse deaths and stuff, and I'm mostly against it, like, I'm fine with it in this case, because yeah. all we saw was him fall into a pit, and he's Boba Fett, and he's supposed to be awesome, so, like, let him get out. Let's see some more Boba Fett. Let him get yeah. out. I'm fine with it. Get out of that pit. They, Darth Maul got sliced in half, and he's still alive. That's your, like, protest sign. Let, let him, him get, get out. out. <laughs>